Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to 32 Fans and 32 Days. I'm Alex Chester, and with me is a slightly morose Akiva Wienerker. Akiva, tell us, how are you doing today? I'm over the NFL. You're done? Yeah, I'm done. It's, uh, it's a good thing for a uh, NFL just, podcast. I'm just here so I won't get fined. <laughs> That's true. Um, I will find you if you don't show yeah, up. Yeah, Chester's very persistent, so it's, it's much easier to just do an hour of this than to be chased for the entire week. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was not a great day for, for either of our teams. Uh, not a great day for a lot of star players who went down. Devonta Friedman and uh, Joe Flacco poor went out. His season's over. Justin Forsett, his season's over. Uh, Case Keenum, not a star, but he, uh, for some reason, played through a uh, concussion, and that uh, that was a disaster for him. But uh, we have an exciting week this week. We have Thanksgiving. We have uh, three pretty good games on Thanksgiving. Well, we have we have one really good game. I well, think, I mean, to me, this is the weakest Thanksgiving slate since they really started upping the games a few years ago. Oh, so I'm a little because when they were doing Seattle, San Francisco on Thursday night and games like that, you know, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, those were serious. You know, they were trying to pick like a top 10 game of the season. This Green Bay, Chicago, I guess it presupposed that Chicago is good, which they're just mediocre. Well, no, I think I think it's all because it's geared for Favre. This is Favre night. The retiring Favre's right. number. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many um, extra people are turning like, you know, for your third game, people are always footballed out for this Thanksgiving game. You know, because they've eaten so much also. So people are like falling asleep on the couch or whatever. So I don't know. Like to me, that's not so interesting that Favre's coming back. Yeah. To, to me, I'm just really excited for Carolina at Dallas. Uh, you were the one saying, you know, with Romo back, you thought they might have a chance to run the table. Yeah. To me, this is as exciting game as we've got left on. It's the also Carolina's toughest game left on, on the slate. Um, you know, I, mean, I don't they, think Carolina's going to go 16 0, even if they even if they win this game. But uh, well, yeah. they, have, they have to play out. The, well, so, OK, so let's talk about that. So I'll tell you. One last week we were talking about the Vikings, and you were saying how their schedule, you know, statistically they had the hardest schedule left in the league, but it wasn't just that. As you said, they had no gimme games. And so there's a chart I make every year around week 10, and I started it about a decade ago when the NFL switched from Monday night to Sunday night being the premier game, and they introduced the concept of the flex. So I'd start making a chart around week 10 where I'd look at the schedule for each of the remaining weeks and try and guess sort of what are the five-star games, the four-star games, et cetera, sort of like the way Drew uh, McGarry does, to say which games were sort of flex-worthy. So, for example, this week, this year in Week 15, Cincinnati is going at San Francisco in, uh, on Sunday night. 
that's a terrible game, and that's a game that should be flexed. I don't know if they're going to. Oh, they, yeah, that won't be in there. Yeah, and and they could flex in the aforementioned Carolina at New York, especially if Carolina is undefeated, or they could flex in Denver at Pittsburgh is another good game that week. So, um, so with those two things in mind, I, I made this chart, and those two games f- will both be protected by the network, though. Okay, yeah. So yeah, so the they'd so, have so to the Denver, they'd have to go to like Chicago, yeah. Minnesota, or something like that. Yeah, so Chicago, Minnesota is a decent game. Houston at Indy that could be a game for the, for that division. Yeah, that that could be there so that, too. That's but a that, possibility. I'm, sh- I'm Denver, Pittsburgh. I'm sure has already been protected. I usually see the list. I haven't. I, I could look for it later, but Car- there's yeah. no, nobody's going to let Carolina uh, off until they lose a game. They're going to keep protecting yeah. Carolina and the Patriots. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so I made this chart, and you have to take it with a grain of salt, obviously, because the the significance of future week's games is obviously dependent on their performance up until then. And so I had to guess a little bit. So, for example, in week seventeen, I have Philly at the Giants as a game where the winner wins that division. So I have it really exciting, but that might not be the case. The Giants might be locked into the four seed. Right. Uh, I, I also have that week. I have Jacksonville at Houston as a meaningless game because I have the Colts having clinched the division week sixteen. But it's possible that Jacksonville and Houston could be playing for the division. So keeping that in mind, obviously, the later weeks could be changed. And shockingly, I see here, you don't have Minnesota ever outside the top four. So, Well, so that, that, that's, that was sort of the shocking part of this chart. And, and that's indicative of the fact that they really have no gimme games. Because even really good teams, you know, as we said, when Cincinnati plays San Francisco, or, or, and all the good teams pretty much have one or two gimmies like that. If they're, if they're playing San Francisco or if they're playing uh, Cleveland, you know, when you play a, a really bad team like that, that you know, Denver plays San Diego, and Cincinnati plays Cleveland and, and San Francisco, as we said. So those, and the, Cincinnati also plays Baltimore at home. So those are sort of New England plays Tennessee. So those are games the good teams have that aren't exciting games, just because it's going to be an easy win. But the Vikings have no easy win. They have no game in which they'll be favored by more than maybe four points at the most. And so yeah, so every one of their games remaining is uh, one of the biggest three or four games of that given week, I think. Which is not a good thing as a Vikings fan. I mean, it's exciting because they might be getting flexed into national TV a couple of times, but it's not good if you want your team to make the playoffs because they really don't have any gimmies. So we're gonna we're gonna rank our teams from thirty-two to one. This is how interesting the rest of their regular season schedule is. Um, so thirty-two is San Francisco. Um, you know, San Francisco is really really boring. Every game they have is either the worst or the second worst game of the week. Um, this week they're playing Arizona at home, and you know, other than. Uh, <laughs> Frankly, that's and then as I said, they're also playing Cincinnati at home. Those are the only two games that anybody's even going to pay attention to at all. The other ones they have are against other teams out of the playoffs. At least this week they're playing a playoff team. But there's no way Arizona is going to even be close against San Francisco, right? No, no, no. I mean, uh, San Francisco at this point is done. You know, now they lost Glenn Dorsey for the year. Today they got nothing left. They're 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 a skip. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll get we'll get to, to Arizona, I guess, when we uh, when we get to them. They're they're further up these charts, obviously. And then the uh, the AFC version of Arizona of San Francisco is Cleveland. Cleveland, the the second least interesting team left. They actually week seventeen is their most interesting game, and that's only because they're hosting Pittsburgh, who could have playoff ramifications on the line. But other than that, there's no game about Cleveland we care about at all. Uh, this this week they're hosting Baltimore on Monday Night Football in what is for sure the worst game of the week, right? Yeah, three and three and seven Baltimore led by Matt Schaub against two and eight Cleveland led by Johnny Football. Yeah, so the the only thing worth watching is if you're curious to see if Johnny Football will you know improve in the last five weeks of the year. So if you're a Browns fan, it's worth watching. But other than that, if you're a Ravens fan, it's not worth watching because it's not like you have a young quarterback who you know you're going to be able to see what he's got. It's it's Matt Schaub whose career ended three years ago. Yeah. Um, so next on our list is Detroit. Detroit. 
the next two games they're playing on Thursday night on national TV, or uh, the, the first one's Thursday, the early game on Thanksgiving, of course, they're slotted into that one automatically. I think this week is a decent game against Philly, if only because for Philly, it's, it's a must win pretty much if they want to stay in that playoff, in that division race. And Detroit, all of a sudden, two wins in a row against decent teams at Green Bay and then at home against Oakland. So Detroit might be back to what we thought they were in the preseason, sort of a 500-esque team, which means they can stay close. Even if their season's obviously yeah, Detroit over. Is, Detroit's season is over, but they're going to be a tough out the rest of the way, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have a coach next, coaching for his job also. so Yeah, and then next week they, they'll be on Thanksgiving, Thursday night, the week after Thanksgiving, they'll be hosting the Packers. I think that'll be good just because you know they just beat the Packers two weeks ago, and so that'll be a revenge game for Green Bay. But other than that, not much to uh, be excited about if you're a Lions fan for the rest of the year. No, I mean, Colwell's coaching for his job. Uh, I don't think he'll be able to save it. But if he does get to 8-8 eight eight or 9-7, it's possible. Yeah, and uh, Jordan Acker, our Lions uh, fan, is actually quite upset. He uh, was complaining to me yesterday that it's classic Lions. They dropped to 1-7, and seven, worst team in the league. And now when they could actually use losses, they're going to start winning and just hurt their uh, their draft stock. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's harder to feel bad for a team like the Lions who aren't going to pick a QB number one. So unless, there's like, in, unless there was an Andrew Luck or uh, you know a Peyton Manning type, which there's not. They're not going to pick a QB one, so it's sad. But you know, for the left tackle or the defensive end that they weren't not going to get, it's not a franchise killer. Yep. All right. Next on our list is San Diego. I have to issue a mea culpa here. When they were two and six, I said I thought they could still climb into the wild card, and I haven't learned my lesson that they have no home field advantage. Last week, I guessed that they would be favored over Kansas City at home, and then I picked them even when I knew that they were underdogs, and they lost by thirty points. You know, San Diego season is clearly over, and so they really have nothing to play for. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a sad last six games. I mean, you could really see some empty uh, stadium shots. Well, you won't because you'll have the other the fans of the other team. That's true. I mean, not you know, <laughs> maybe not. Uh, well, they're hosting they're they're hosting Denver next week. That that'll be a majority Broncos fans for sure. Yeah, but the Dolphins fans aren't going to go to yeah. San Diego. They don't even yeah, go to Miami. Yeah, that one will be empty when when they host the Dolphins, and, and that's their only other remaining home game. So fortunately, there's not too much left. Uh, two more football games ever in San Diego. Well, possibly. I don't know. It seems like it's gotten very complicated now. Yeah, I read a story that said that there might not be a team till 2017 in LA. So, it, but in, another yeah. I mean, year. To, to sum it up, I read a really good article. I think it was Sam Farmer in the LA Times. Basically, the Raiders can't afford to move on their own, right? Because they they can't pay they can't build the stadium. They yeah. don't have the money. So then it's two different plans. Is it the Chargers plan or is it the Rams plan? The Rams have the money, but the Chargers maybe have the space that the league wants, kind of. Um, and then it's like, would a second team hop along? And then there was an interesting report that the league realizes, hey, we lost both teams in 1994. And it's not like they were thriving, the Raiders and the Rams. So maybe we shouldn't. And I think I agree with this. I think the league should go to one team. First of all, the the Raiders at least have a history in L.A., so it's not like a travesty if they lose their team, especially since there's another team in the area and Oakland fans can still drive down or, or fly down, whatever, um, you know, once a season. Um, and it's not like they're going that far away. They'll still be the Raiders. Uh, and the Chargers don't deserve to have their team because I don't think they support it enough. But it would be a travesty if the Rams lost their team. Well, but that was the L.A. Rams for years. And in the 70s, I mean, that was a great team and they had lots of fans. Yeah, but I, I think St. Louis, if they lose this team, they're, you know, they're not going to get it back. This is a team that, you know, has a, a pretty rich history in the last 15 years, you know, winning a Super Bowl, making another uh, Super Bowl. They have, yeah, I mean, they, they, I don't know. They had two or three good years around the turn of the century. But I always thought the Rams being stolen was worse than the Raiders because, you know, the Raiders were originally Oakland, whereas the Rams were the L.A. team from the very beginning. Right. From 1960. Yeah, so I, I so. think neither. I think no one ends up there, but 
I, I do think you don't bet against uh, Stan Cranky. I think he'll be the uh, I, you know, I think the Rams will get a stadium and then the Raiders will probably be like the little brothers who latch on, even though they say they don't want to. I think it's that's probably what's going to happen. And, and remember that our uh, long term St. Louisians like uh, former 32 fans guess that Will Leach, for example, are actually Cardinals fans because they're loyal to the Cardinals from, right. you know, when they were in St. Louis up until the early 80s. And then there's some Los Angelinos, well, like, uh, now like, the, the, like Adam Carolla, who are still Rams fans even when they're in St. Louis. Right. I think, I think St. Louis will uh, become the new place where the league can threaten a Jacksonville or whoever, you know, doesn't do what your team did and build their own stadium that they'll be able, you know, Atlanta or, or you know, any team like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, if, if, I if think if they lose the team out again, of St. Louis, I, yeah, I think I think that's yeah, it. to lose two teams in 30 years. I think the Cardinals left in like 85, if I'm not mistaken. And then, uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. All right. So next on our on our desirable rankings is the Ravens. As we said this week, they have the worst game. In yeah, the this year team should be 32nd, I think. Yeah, well, the only thing is there's still some rivalry factor when they play Pittsburgh, even though with Flacco gone, it's. And with Justin Forsett gone, and with Steve Smith gone, I mean, there's there's really nobody. No, it's not going to be watchable. Yeah, um, yeah, but part of it is again just who they're playing. For example, in Week 16, I have them hosting Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh again with a playoff spot on the line, and it's a rivalry. And so that game also right now is a Sunday night game. That game might be flexed out, but it might stay just because of the rivalry factor there. But we'll see. Now I can't imagine um, they're letting Joe Flacco stay in that spot. Yeah. Well, you mean match up. Yeah, I mean, uh, a team without Joe Flacco staying that yeah. spot, sorry. All right, and there's okay, also so. a lot of games that week that are friendly, so like, I don't know why we're so obsessed with seeing what the Sunday night game is, but it's like, but if, you know, you can only protect one game a week, so let's say they protect Cincinnati, Cincinnati Denver, then you could get one of the New York teams. You get Patriots, Jets, if the Jets are still in it, or you get Giants, Vikings, if the Giants are still in it, which they probably will yeah. be. So. So, yeah, so I think Green Bay at Arizona will definitely be protected, and so to me, it's either the undefeated Patriots at the Jets, or, yeah, it's the Giants at the Vikings with both teams fighting for the playoffs. Um, although, well, well, uh, CBS would probably protect Patriots at Jets, right? Well, but then you get, then they get Cincy Denver. That's like a, that's a blockbuster. No, C- Cincy Denver's Monday night that week. Oh, okay. So yeah. So then maybe they protect Patriots. Yeah. They'll, the pr- they'll protect the Patriots and, and then, then the best, yeah, and then the best AFC, the best AFC game is India at Miami. You so probably, probably get Washington and Philly maybe if one of those teams is relevant. Well, no, that game's on Saturday. Oh yeah. So they're actually kind yeah. of stuck. Akiva, if you look at my chart, you'll see the color code. No, I see. I see. I see. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, that game actually may stay. It may stay yeah. Pittsburgh-Baltimore. Well, unless they want Vikings-Giants. Yeah, I guess. Um, look, a- as a Minnesotan who lives in New York, either way, the game will be on my television, so I don't really care. Um, all right, so now we're moving up the list. Now we have Tennessee next. And Tennessee, again, the only reason they're not lower is by virtue of the fact that everyone else in their division is fighting for the division. And so every game they have, you know, like, for example, in Week 17 when they play Indy, those games might have uh, playoff ramifications for the other team. Well, there's only – how many teams are like – have really no playoff chance? It's only like seven teams, right? Well, it's all the teams we've mentioned so far, plus I would say probably Chicago and um, and St. Louis probably, yeah. frankly. Saint- yeah, that's about it. Because the yeah. four and six – uh, realistically, the four and six Saints are not going near the playoffs, so I, I, you could yeah. include them too. Well, there's a, there's a couple teams that will be at. Look, if it's the and the Dolphins, like if, the, even if, if the, the Dolphins, Dolphins beat the Jets, you know, five and six, the AFC is so crowded. I don't think at five and six they really have a chance. As we said, the Dolphins have to win out to have a chance because yeah. they're going to lose tiebreakers. So yeah, after this week we can add a couple more. Um, so the next team on this list, and it's shocking because this is a team again. Just a couple of weeks ago, that Bill Simmons and and, and cousin Sal bet on to win the NFC, but all of a sudden. With with very little to uh, to play for or worth watching, I think uh, is the St. Louis Rams. Yeah, and this would be a sad way if this is the end of the Rams. 
But at the end of the day, you can't go into this season. I, 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 they didn't do anything wrong with Nick Foles, but when you have Nick Foles and Case Keenum as your quarterbacks, you have Nick Foles and Case Keenum. Like the, the this is a team that needs to bench Foles and Keenum and whoever the third string is, play him. You know, lose, go four and twelve, and and hope you get like the fourth pick in the draft, and try and get a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, they've tried that for how a long many of the teams? Because how many of the teams have we mentioned should like San Diego's not going to be? I mean, Rivers is old, but they're not going to be throwing games to get a quarterback. Tennessee yeah. has a quarterback. Yeah. Um. You know, Baltimore has a quarterback. Who? Who is there? Anybody we mentioned that doesn't? I mean, San Francisco. Yeah, but St. St. Louis already has four wins. So it's going to be hard for them to get near the First top. First of all, of I don't think players want to lose games on purpose so they get better draft picks oh, or for guys sure. yeah. who could take their jobs. Like that's a yeah. that's you know if anybody believes that they're a buffoon. But but look, St. Louis is still playing like the Lions at home. They're playing Tampa at home. Uh, they're playing San Francisco. And also Fisher, in theory, if they go four and twelve, is probably going to get fired. So I don't think that yeah. you know that's uh, that's something he's trying to do either. Well, yeah, it, it's the per- it's like what you see in Cleveland with Mike Pettin. Mike Pettin wants Josh McCown at quarterback because with McCown they've stayed close in all their games. The front office wants Johnny Football because they want to know do they right, need but they're also going to fire Pettin if 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 you know they go five and eleven with uh, with you know or four and twelve with Menzel. Well, yeah, and that's why he doesn't want to go with Menzel, sure. but he's been overruled. Um, okay, so you know St. Louis does have a couple decent games. They they get a wait, rematch. but hold on, they- how many how many teams need a quarterback? Because I was looking the other day. I don't have the list in front of me, but it's very small. The list of teams that are actively going to be desperate for a quarterback in the offseason. I think it's San Francisco, Philly, the Jets, Cleveland, um, Cleveland and St. Louis and St. Louis. Louis. I don't think there was a sixth team. Oh, I, I, Washington is in a weird space. I, I'll include Washington there. I think they're they'd be thrilled to. The thing with Washington is we don't we don't know about Buffalo yet. No, I think I I, I think they Tyrod Taylor's the long term answer there. I don't know about that. I, He's been good this year. First but... of all, they're not going to have a good enough pick that they're going to be. Yeah, I mean, listen, if Kaepernick hit the free agent market, well, everybody thinks Buffalo everybody assumes he's going to go to Philly. Okay, no, but Buffalo is not throwing Tyrod Taylor at the door for Kaepernick, right? The Jets would throw Ryan Fitzpatrick at the door probably to test the wheels on Kaepernick. I mean, it would be I mean, weird for the, uh, the. Would the Redskins make like an RG three for Kaepernick trade? Oh, the Red, oh for sure Washington would. Yeah, yeah. Kaepernick was a top five quarterback just a couple of years ago. Yeah. RG three was that right, had for, for part like of his rookie games, season, yeah. but yeah, but not since then at all. Um, but that's about it. Right. Um, I yeah, because some even some of these bad teams have a QB. It's an unusual season. You know, even Jacksonville is not giving up on Bortles the way he's been playing. You know, even though. Uh, to me, he has a ceiling and he kind of stinks because he turns the ball over a lot. Yeah, I mean, look, I have Blake Bortles this year. Uh, where is he in the Chester quarterback ratings? I have him at 27. So he has a 74. The only quarterbacks worse than him are Kaepernick, Luck, Foles, and Manning. So, well, What about Miami? Uh, if you're Miami, are you 100% set on Tannehill? Well, you are set. And, and Tannehill's at 78. He's not much higher on that list. He's 24. But he's more set than Bortles. I mean, they're not going to give up on Bortles yet. Yeah, but we but, know what Tannehill is, I feel like. Like, Bortles could definitely well, but last, improve next but last year. But ta- last year, and going into this season, you know, you had Tannehill on the cusp of the top 10. Yeah, but people thought that was fluky, and I was proven wrong. I mean, I had the Dolphins winning the Super Bowl this year. and Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm giving up on, on Tannehill yet. I'm and, giving and up Bortles... on the Dolphins winning the Super Bowl, though. Oh. <laughs> Let's say a courageous take. I knew I should have picked the and... Cardinals to win because because I still get if the Dolphins make the Super Bowl, I still get the credit for picking for making you know picking them to make the Super Bowl. Like that's still Cardinals. Yeah, if the Dolphins make it, whereas oh. the Cardinals, I should have you know there was no added benefit in picking the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl, so I should have picked the Cardinals to beat the Dolphins, and then I like then I'd still be alive here for the 
you know, Cardinals could win the Super Bowl thing. Yeah, I, what 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 were the Vegas odds for Arizona to win the NFC preseason? It was probably like ten to one. It might have right? been you even like got, twelve or something. Yeah, so you could have got something there. Uh, oh well, I'm not sure if you did or not, but no, maybe I, you did. No, no, no. <laughs> won't be mentioned. All right, uh, okay. So next on our uh, on our schedule rankings are the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, the reason they're above some of those teams is because, as we said, at four and six, they're still technically in this race for this division, and um, you know, and, and we'll see how long that can last. So when they host Indy in a couple of weeks. That's a big game. That has playoff ramifications. When they host Atlanta the next week, that could have playoff ramifications for both teams also. So Jacksonville might go down these rankings, but if they keep winning, they could uh, stay around as a team that's somewhat interesting just because their division's so bad. Yeah, I mean, if Jacksonville was good, the rest of their schedule is embarrassing. So, you know, they could win all these games in theory. Uh, I, I think they're figuring out how to use Julius Thomas. So the Robinson-Hearns-Thomas connection is really going to be something like if Yeldon's healthy, he's competent. So I do think, uh, you know, they're going to be a tough out the rest of the way. And again, they're playing San Diego, Tennessee, Indianapolis. I mean, uh, you know, the, the schedule is very meaty. The problem is that Indy and Houston somehow got to six and six. They somehow got to be two games back. So they're really going to have to win all their divisional games to make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, now, the next thing we have here is Chicago. Chicago is an interesting team. First of all, Cutler has been quietly. He's been good this year. Yeah. Um, you know, he missed a couple games, and, and they lost those ones, obviously. Uh, they're, they're four and five when Cutler played, and they're going to lose this week to Green Bay, presumably. But then the next two weeks, they play at home against San Francisco and Washington. So those are a couple of wins, and that gets them to six and seven and still in conversation. For yeah, the wild I think card. it's just I, they, I think if you don't beat Green Bay this week, and I don't think they will, I think it's basically lights out for them. I don't know. Uh, you know, again, they win the next two, they're six and seven, and then they go to Minnesota. And if they were to win that one, and that's the Vikings' easiest game on the schedule, but if they win that one, then they're seven and seven. And then all of a sudden they could have a tiebreaker over Minnesota, and then they could be sneaking into that second wild card. I mean, who's going to be this? If it's not Minnesota, who's right, the second wild right. card? Well, you're Seattle, banking on a Minnesota Atlanta. collapse. You're banking on a Minnesota collapse then. Yeah, well, yeah, but uh, other than that, uh, Seattle's only a game ahead of them. Atlanta's two games ahead of them, but Atlanta stays. Right, but someone's going to win games. Like, none of these teams have such a bad yeah. record. Um, I think, I mean, they just blew a golden chance against uh, Osweiler yesterday. I, I feel like that, you know, that was their spot. If you're making the playoffs, that, well, that's yeah, the game you win. I, I agree. That, they, that one, they win, it's totally different, because I have them finishing 7-9 and nine right now. Right, yeah. If, so if, if they had won yesterday, we'd say they're going to get the sixth spot in the playoffs, because on, on a neutral field, I think they're better than Atlanta, and they're just as good as Seattle, probably. Yeah, I mean, I think Seattle's better. But um, yeah, so Chicago, they might have something to play for. but it, it, And I don't think they're going to have a chance this week against Green Bay. Green Bay looks like they're back. And, um, you know, they'll have whatever momentum or, you know, whatever the excitement there is about the Brett Favre at halftime. Who knows? Uh, all right, next on our list is Miami. Your aforementioned uh, Super Bowl champs. They have a couple games, you know, they when they play Baltimore in a couple weeks, um, that's a game that nobody cares about. Uh, when they play San Diego, that's a game that nobody cares about. But then they're also playing New England in Week 17, and right now I have that as the most exciting game of Week 17, just because I think New England will be 15 and 0 and going for the undefeated season again. Uh, yeah. So, so he, yeah. So I don't think Miami. I don't think Miami's gonna make the playoffs, but I think that because of the teams they play, they have a couple of decent games. Yeah, uh, Miami is. You know, you want to see what Dan Talik is up to on the sidelines. Like, it's a, they're they're a team that if you have three or four TVs going, sometimes you want to keep them on like that. You know, the last the smallest TV or whatever, but. Uh, I, I just, it's hard to muster up any excitement for them, even if they beat the Jets this week, which, you know. But here's the thing. The, the Jets game is a big game for the Jets. They're playing the Giants. That'll be a big game for the Giants. They're playing the Colts. That'll be a big game for the Colts. So the, their games will be interesting, even if it's not for them. And they're a team that could beat any of those teams on any given day. 
Yeah, and they've really been, uh, you know, Jekyll and Hyde the whole season. So it's impossible to predict what they're going to be. And a lot of the teams, this has really been a, a hard season to predict and to figure out who's good and who's not outside the top five teams because there is no, you know, one eleven team or, or 0-12 team that's, that, you know, that everyone knows is an automatic, you know, out. And, uh, like, there's just so many teams like Miami that, you know, look amazing one week and they're, they're results that just make no sense. Yeah. Well, I think the Cincinnati losing last week on Monday night to Houston is an example of that. Yeah, but game, now, you know, like, I saw Houston last week and in hindsight, on paper, yeah. Houston, their defensive line is a bunch of animals right now. J.J. Oh, Watt yeah, takes over Watt a game yeah. and Jadavian Clowney was unblockable and they have Merciless. They have all these – and Cushing, who I thought his career was like over, looked really good. They have a competent secondary, so the whole defense is really good. Like, yeah, but they have one player you're worried about on offense. Yeah, I mean, their offense is is abominable again, you know. Like on paper, but if you throw the ball up to Hopkins and he can catch it, then you're fine. Yeah, so next on our list is Cincinnati. And if you're a Bengals fan, it is good that the Bengals are so low on this list. They're lower than any other contender. Because what that's indicative of is the fact that Cincinnati basically has a cake schedule. Well, so they're they boring two. to watch. Well, no, I disagree. They have one of the most exciting offenses in the league. They don't have an they exciting have, offense. Like AJ Green the, is the most boring good receiver I've ever seen. <laughs> he really is. He's boring. You forget about him for like, an hour and a half during every game. Yeah, I mean, they've just been blowing everybody out all season, and so I think their games haven't been exciting. I mean, Giovanni Bernard is actually really exciting to watch. Like, yeah, every time he touches the ball, like, oh, they should give him the ball in every play. Their, their defense, you know, perfect. They have a lot of guys on defense who are, I, I, you know, you're on record as, as thinking that the, the Panthers and the Bengals are so boring. Uh, I think the, the Bengals are, are interesting, and I'll say they have two of the best games of the season left, which is in week 14, they host the Steelers. In a rematch of, of that game, that they uh, that they uh, and then in week sixteen they go to Denver, which in theory is a game in which the winner could get the two seed. But again, I think Cincinnati's pretty much locked into the two seed because of the fact that their other four games are cake. You know, this week they're playing St. Louis at home. That's a pretty easy win. Next week they're playing Cleveland. That's a pretty easy win. A couple weeks after that they're playing San Francisco. That's a pretty easy win. And then they finish hosting Baltimore. That's a pretty easy win. So it would be funny, by about, the way, if that game is meaningless because it's the two and the it's the, like they're locked in the two and the three basically. Cincinnati and Denver. Yeah, that they game could be, be meaningless. Yeah, yeah that, that would be funny, by the way, if they were locked into the two and the three. But that's definitely a possibility because, as I said, with four pretty much automatic wins. Well, Cincinnati, the only way they could they could really be locked is if the Patriots uh, don't lose. Well, actually, now that I'm looking at my predictions, based on my predictions, I do have them locked because I have at that point going into that game. And remember, that's a Monday night game. So we'll already know the outcomes of week 16. I have the Patriots at 15 and 0 that at that point, which means they are locked into the one seed. I have Cincy at 12 and 2 and Denver at 10 and 4. So it, well, it's, if Denver were to win out and Cincy were to lose out, then Denver. Could no, but the problem is with KC. So K, KC could still catch Denver. Well, no, but what, what I'm saying is if Cincinnati's 12 and 2 and Denver's 10 and 4, if Denver wins each of their last two and Cincinnati loses each of the last two, Denver gets the two seed over Cincinnati. Right. So Cincinnati will have something to play for in that game, unless they're three up on Denver. Right. And then Denver would have something to play for, uh, yeah. unless KC collapses. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's unlikely for Cincinnati to be three up on Denver at that point, unless Denver collapses. Um, in which case Denver has something to play for against Kansas City, uh, versus Can- for their division. Yeah. So I don't think that game, uh, will be meaningless. I think that'll be a good game no matter what. Uh, speaking of which, next team on our list is Kansas City. And again, as a Kansas City fan, it's good for you that you're this high, that, that you're this low on the list. It means the next two weeks are Kansas City's toughest game is remaining. They're, they're facing Buffalo this week, two teams that are five and five, assuming the Bills lose tonight to the Patriots. Two teams that are five and five. The winner of this game 
in the driver's seat for a wild card, right, right behind Pittsburgh. And then next week, Kansas City goes to Oakland, where again, you know, both teams will have five or six wins. And so once again, the winner will be in the driver's seat for the wild card. But then after that, for KC, it gets really easy. They're facing San Diego at home, and we just saw them destroy San Diego in San Diego. Uh, they're facing Baltimore, whose season is over. They're facing Cleveland at home, whose season is over. So um, Kansas, and then and then and then they have a Week 17 game rematch against Oakland, but that's at home. So Kansas City, I think, um, if they can win these next two weeks, they're really locked in for the wild card. And as you said, they might even stay in contention for the division. Yeah, I, I'm not totally sure how they all of a sudden got so good. Like, if they're this good, then why were they so terrible uh, a few weeks ago? Well, part of I think part of what we said is the fact that. They had a really tough schedule to open the season. Sort yeah, of like but St. Louis. they're not just winning now; they're just annihilating people. Yeah, but I mean, you look at their losses. They, um, you know, they lost at Den. The, excuse me, they lost to the Broncos in a fluke game because of the fumble by Jamal Charles. Right? Mm. They lost at Green Bay, which is excusable to lose at Green Bay, and then they lost at Cincinnati the last the next week. So they lost to two of the top five teams in the league on the road. Those are both excusable. They lost the Bears by one at home, eighteen to seventeen. That's inexcusable, but it was a fluke. And then they lost at Minnesota, a close game also. But again, Minnesota's a good team, and that was on the road. So you know, there's really no bad losses there. I guess the Bears is a bad loss. But again, that was a one-point game. That was a really close game. Um, but yeah, you're right. But all of a sudden, they're blowing teams out. I mean, they've won by, what, 35? I feel like they're the, scene. they're the scariest team outside like the top three or four right now. And, and it's all really unclear why. Because offensively, they don't have anything special. And their defense is good, but it's not one of the top five defenses in the league. Yeah, I mean, they hit people a lot. The front seven is pretty good. They don't have a lot of weaknesses. Um, I'm, I'm, it's the Buffalo KC game is interesting this week because it's two teams I like, like two teams that I think you know that has value in terms of like I think they're better than everyone else does. Um, but I, I can't see Buffalo. I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't see Buffalo going to KC and winning the way the Chiefs are playing right now. Yeah, I agree with you. But again, let's remind people you uh, you picked Buffalo to go into New England tonight and win. So. We uh, if if they win that game, all of a sudden I think uh, this Buffalo casing game becomes even more important for KC because then they're a game behind Buffalo, and so with the win they they tie them and then they have the tiebreaker. So that becomes really a must win for for Kansas City in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, next on our list is Oakland. So Oakland, they're four and six. They're probably out of it, having lost the last two games. But um, you know, this week they're going to face Tennessee on the road. That's obviously a must win, but it's a game that they can win, especially if they're a playoff team. And then next week, as they said, they host Kansas City. And if they win that game, all of a sudden they're back in it. They'll be tied with KC and they'll have the tiebreaker. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, their schedule continues to get tough. They have to go at Denver still. Um, they have to face the Packers. So, um, And then they have to face Kansas City twice. So I think Oakland, uh, their schedule's just too tough. They had to beat Detroit, and they didn't do it. Yeah. So I don't think, I don't think they're going to Yeah, same, same with Chicago. That was their, yesterday, that was their game, Oakland. Yeah. All right. Uh, next two teams are tied on our list um, are the Bills and the Jets. And the Bills and the Jets, obviously, they're competing. They're, n- neither one has a chance at division, obviously, but they're both competing for the wild card. And um, as we said, the Bills still have to play the Patriots tonight. But even if we locked it up at a loss, every you know, other than week 14, when they both have uh, relatively easy matchups, they really have tough schedules on all the way out. You know, let's start with your Jets. This week, as we said, they're facing the Dolphins. That's a game in which the Jets have to win. They already beat the Dolphins once, but they, they have to win that to stay interested. The next week, your Jets go to the Giants. You know, it's a uh, it's the uh, New York Derby, and that's another game. I think which it's is pretty called much a pronounced Derby, but I think they the, the Jets haven't beaten the the Giants since the early '90s uh, when they had Ronnie Lott. So I. <laughs> I'm not so confident about uh, beating the Giants. I, the schedule just gets a little bit hard, you know. Other than the Titans, like 
I feel, you know, the Giants, Dallas, New England, uh, and Buffalo is, it's, you know, in Buffalo, it's not it, uh, in Buffalo in January when it, there's going to be snow on the ground. Not exactly yeah. an easy schedule. So they, you know, they had their chance the last two weeks with Buffalo at home in Houston and they blew it. Yeah, I think I think losing at home to Buffalo is the game that's really going to do them in, and uh, and that game at Dallas. Even if Dallas is out of the playoffs, obviously they're gonna they're not going to be an easy out. No, not at all. You know, clearly yeah. you want the Dallas when Romo is out. I mean, so to me, so the Jets uh, tried to shake things up. They cut uh, Queen Cobles, who was a first round pick, who not not a classic flop because he had six and a half sacks last season, but just in, you know not a not a three four player. Anyway, um, to me, I'm a little concerned about Bowles. I do think that there's no creativity in the offense. Fitzpatrick's numbers, for whatever reason, are better every week than he actually looked. They drafted a guy in the second round who, I don't know, did you see the drop touchdown yesterday by Devin Smith? Yeah. I mean, the guy can't catch. It's scary. They're refusing to play Curley, who's shown to be a very competent NFL receiver uh, for multiple years, and he had played one snap yesterday. And they would cut him, but he's the punt returner. Um, the, uh, to me, it, it's just a frustrating team. I'm as down as them as I've been in many years because it just seems like there's no hope. Like they have too many good players to go two and 14 and get the first pick in the draft, but they don't have a quarterback and they don't, for whatever reason, they're elite players. Like Revis was garbage yesterday, which was his worst game. I, I, I tweeted up in Bill Barnwell who said it was his worst, worst game since his rookie season. And I remembered that Terrell Owens beat him, but it was really just for one touchdown. So Owens in his rookie, when Revis rookie season, when Owens was, Really good on the Cowboys. We had like six for 68 and a touchdown. But Revis had only allowed a couple hundred. I, I'm not really familiar with uh, his Bucks games. But other than the Bucks season, he had only allowed 100 yards like two or three times in his whole career. Uh, so his worst game before that was uh, 2009. Uh, Monday Night Football was at the game. Didn't, and didn't he also got a concussion? Yeah, and then he got a concussion. Um, uh, not on that play. But um, I mean, to me, it's like Revis did nothing. Wilkerson did nothing. Nick Mangle got out, went out with an injury. Uh, Sheldon Richardson was out. So, I mean, they have all these like top level players, uh, and non skill positions, or I guess cornerback skill position, and they just have nothing to show for it. And they're just a frustrating team. There's no creativity from Bowles. He, he, he's, he's like, uh, he's got nothing on the sidelines. There's no, you have no confidence in anything they're doing. They have a bunch of retread coaches, and I'm just, I'm, I'm fed up with watching football. Wow, that's a depressing attitude to have when you have your first year coach. Well, I don't uh, think and it's, it's not like here's the thing. He has shown that he already doesn't know what's going on in terms of going for and fourth down. By the way, yesterday, uh, Rich Gannon was announcing the game and Gannon lost his mind. Of course, afterwards, he didn't say anything beforehand. Um, the Jets down seven, fourth and five from their own 47 with two with about three minutes and all three of their timeouts went for it and ended up having essentially a punt because Fitzpatrick threw an interception. But Gannon lost his mind that the Jets should have punted and trusted their defense. Yeah. I tweeted at Gannon, and I said... Is he checking his Twitter feed during the game? No, he, he hasn't responded. He's not going to respond. <laughs> but it doesn't make any sense, because if you trust your defense, you go for it, and then you need Obviously. your defense to get a stop. Yeah, the whole logic of trusting your defense never makes sense. Right. And he's a quarterback. Thing. Like I understand if he's some conservative whatever... You know, like who doesn't, but yeah, it makes it an old wide So guy. I, re- I need to know and more on announcers in the upcoming weeks for me. But I think I, it's really baffling why every announcer is so conservative. Is it because they're friends with the coaches and they don't want the coaches to get fired? I think it's because the selection process for announcers is so conservative, right? 
But why so are not, why don't players because why they're do not they're not care? picking guys like they're not picking Bill Barnwell. They're not picking outside the box. It's the same reason that baseball players, when you ask baseball players and announcers, why do they still talk about RBIs even though RBIs don't sure. matter? Because first of all, for the players, why do we even call them RBIs? Well, for the playoffs, for the players, there's an incentive to care yeah. because their remuneration, their compensation is based on these stats historically, and so. Even if RBIs don't matter, because they historically mattered, and the guys with more RBIs got a bigger paycheck, so they're used to caring about it. Because they're, you know, even if it doesn't actually matter in terms of, you know, the the, the quality or the value of a given player, right? And so that's why players care about it, and so that's why former players care about it. I, by the way, um, I'm a hundred percent sure. I mean, I need some reps. I'm a hundred percent sure I could be a better uh, game analyst than not to sound too Costanza-y here, but that I could be a better analyst than ninety percent of the guys who are doing. It. Yeah, well, this is what I don't understand, and people have talked about this in the past. When you have, for example, um, when when one network controls a significant game, you know, like let's say, for example, it's the finals of college football, college basketball, the Super Bowl, whatever, and it's on a channel, let's say Fox, which also has FX and FXX and Fox Sports and has other derivative channels, mm-hmm. and they don't want – why don't they show – the same game with different types of announcers. So college basketball actually tried it this year. No, they've done it for a few had, years. Yeah, they, yeah, they have they, the home they have team the, announcers. Well, no, no. But then they also had the analytical announcers. Yeah. But the problem is, and the reason that even though I would be predisposed to like that, I, I didn't watch that, is because they didn't have the analytical announcers announcing the game. They had the analytical announcers watching the game. So the game was at a tiny little corner, and most of the screen was guys sitting at a desk. Right, chat. right. Yeah, I think in general they just don't that's want for a Super Bowl-type game, they just don't want you to change the channel. And I think that's why they don't do it. Plus, it's a lot of money. You know, you have to you're putting up, you know, a whole nother group of 40 people to do a telecast or 30, however many people work on it, 15, 20 people in a uh, even if, if you, that's 15, 20, if you're probably using the same camera feed in, you know, first class hotels for a whole week. Yeah. And it, it's oh, a lot of money. I, I say I say use the same feed. Yeah, just have two no, guys. but even so, you still need producer and, oh, yeah, no, and for sure. Guy. Like for sure. It's a lot of it, you know, it's the same. way. Look, when you're international, if you're in Israel, for example, and you're watching a game where you have the Israeli announcers dubbing over. So they use the same feed sure. and everything. Yeah, so yeah, they still the, have it's yeah. the same camera. But then also you have announcers who are watching replays when they're not asking for replays. And you maybe somebody's drawing yeah. on the screen and it's not them. You know, it's awkward. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, there's some imperfections there, but I just think, um, you know, they, they do for college basketball, they do the home announcers. But I think that if you had announcers who sort of had a little more of an analytical, but also like and, maybe go, I don't know if the answer is three man booths, but why, why is, you know, why is it automatic that you have to be a coach or a quarterback or a fullback to be, uh, you know, to be one of these guys when these guys don't know anything? Uh, a lot of times. Three, like, the, here's a, like, you have a couple routes they go where John Gruden talks in coach speak. And Dick Ebersol said um, a few months ago that he would fire Gruden immediately if he if he talked about like why Banana Spider X twenty two on on his telecast because nobody knows what that is even other teams don't know what it is because every team has their own freaking language right um, yeah. but he's doing it and ESPN loves it and he's making five million dollars a year it it makes no sense Gruden is a horrible announcer who who clearly people are saying things to his ear and he's not like. Uh, articulate enough to get it out so he's like spitting out half of what the producer's saying in his ear and it never makes sense pay attention to that tonight he'll like make half a point that's clearly been like written down in a note or whispered and it makes no sense like he's skipping five words from it uh so he's horrible um 
Anyway, let's go to the team. Let's do rapid fire on the teams. Yeah. We got well, hold on. So here's one more proposal that I just thought of on the spot. And tell me if you can shoot any holes in this. What if a network, let's say ESPN, for example, they were to propose, you know how some, there's podcasts, for example, where you can play the podcast as you're watching a movie. And it's almost as if it's like a, like a feed, like a director's cut, like of the movie with comedians or whatever, just watching and making fun of it. So what if ESPN said, this is what we're going to propose. We're going to have live podcast recordings of, of Bill Barnwell and Robert Mays, although Robert Mays has moved on to SI. Well, Bill Simmons did that uh, with, Nancy, with March Madness a few years ago. Yeah, no, but what, what I'm saying is, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, that's right. But I'm saying where you show the game and, and you, can mute, you can mute your TV and you just have these two guys talking. So you don't need you know, that much of a production staff. And you just have them watching while they're watching on TV at home. But they're giving live analysis. And a lot of people like us are following these guys on Twitter anyways. But we could hear them talking about the game live. It's the same network, so they're not losing any money. They would go silent during commercials so that it's not like they're competing with you know, your advertisers. I think probably advertisers are not keen on any network uh, giving alternative viewing or listening probably is the biggest problem here. Yeah. Um, yeah, as for your Jets, so the New York Times came out with a great uh, interactive uh, uh, chart today, their playoff simulator, and it's better than ESPN's playoff simulator because you can pick any one game and it shows the effect. So the Jets, for example, right now there are 25% odds to make the playoffs. If we give them wins uh, this week against the Dolphins and against Tennessee, but we give them losses at Dallas and then against the Patriots, and I think those are four pretty fair outcomes, they drop to 10%. So they're only 10%, and that's be- before we include at Buffalo and the Giants game. So uh, it's going to be tough for the Jets. And by the way, even if they were to win both of those games, their playoff odds are only at 46. If they, if they what? If they go 9-7? and seven? Yeah, if, if they lose to Dallas and New England and win out, they're only at 45%. So... Uh, the, the Jets are in a tough scenario. Um, that loss to Houston is really a killer. Uh, yeah, but that's what you do when you're a bad team. You lose just as often as you win, so if not more. All right. Okay, so next on our list, and I'm surprised at this high, frankly, uh, are the New Orleans Saints. And New Orleans is this high basically because their opponents have big games. Uh, this week they're playing Houston, and Houston's you know tied uh, is uh, tied for the lead in that division. Uh, next week they're playing Carolina. And that'll be a game, again, they're at home against Carolina, who might be undefeated still. And um, remember, they only lost to Carolina by six in Carolina earlier in the year. And that was a game that Drew Brees didn't play. So I think that game will be exciting just because, you know, let's see if they can run with, with, uh, with the Panthers. And then, again, they got a bunch of divisional games against teams that are still in the playoffs. Tampa Bay is still in the playoffs. So that game will be exciting. And then um, we know from our preseason podcast. I mean, to me, that, New Orleans is bad, and there's no reason to discuss them because they're just going to lose a lot. All right. And uh, so actually tied with uh, New Orleans on our list is their divisional opponent, Tampa Bay. So Tampa, after a monster win at Philadelphia this week, they're five and five all of a sudden, and they are in the playoff race. And so, you know, again, they're higher on this list than they would have been just a couple of weeks ago. But, um, and, you know, this week they're going at Indy. Tampa five and five at Indy five and five. Who do you think wins that game? I think Tampa beats them with Hasselbeck. I I think if Tampa's got anything in the tank, then, you know, they, they should beat Indy. They have a couple toss-up games, I'd say, hosting Atlanta and in Chicago, uh, hosting Chicago. But, you know, beat Indy, beat St. Louis, beat New Orleans at home, and then, you know, make it to that Carolina game, and Carolina could be 14-1 and and completely indifferent. You know, Tampa Bay has a real chance of making the playoffs if they if they win this week. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I'm going to pick the Colts to win this week. But um, we... Um We'll know a lot more about Tampa after this week's game, I think. All right, next is uh, next on the list is Dallas. Basically, Dallas, until they lose, and then they're basically out of it, then they're going to stay high on this list. So this week, as we said, they have the best game of the Thanksgiving slot because they're facing undefeated Carolina. We already talked about that one. If they win that one, they go to Washington. That's obviously a must-win for both teams. 
Um, the week after that, they go to Green Bay, which will be uh, especially, you know, you've said you thought Dallas is the best team in the NFC with everybody healthy. So that'll be a great game. And but the problem is at that point. Well, I'm going to I'm going to revise and say that Carolina is better and probably Green Bay is better. <laughs> yeah, but either way, that's good. And those are the two teams uh, they play. So, I mean, Detroit, yeah. the, Dallas could be on fire down the stretch and still go seven and nine. Yeah, and, th- and that's part of the problem. I think I think that by the end of the season, like when they're pl- playing Buffalo in week 16, both teams will be out of the playoffs. So it won't matter anymore. So Dallas actually could climb even higher on this list if they keep winning. Um, next on the list is Houston. Again, we thought they were like two and seven before that Cincinnati game. But it turns out they're giving up 10 points a game. They have a dominant defense. We've already talked about them. But they... Um, they're really high on this list because they're going to be fighting for their division all the way down the stretch. Yeah, I'm curious to see Houston at Buffalo. Uh, I'm not so curious to see them playing New Orleans because I know New Orleans is garbage. And if they can't beat New Orleans, then they're garbage. But uh, I'm curious to see them at Buffalo. I think that they're going to really frustrate Brady and they're going to hit Brady in a couple weeks. Uh, I don't think that uh, they're going to make the playoffs unless Indianapolis really collapses. But and I don't think they're gonna get the wild card for sure because I don't think there's any way that Indy and Houston both get to like nine or ten. Yep. But uh, I feel like all of a sudden they're frisky and uh, Brian Hoyer could be playing a playoff game this year. Wow, uh, you're not wrong. Um, all right, next on the list is Seattle. Seattle, the next two, they're five and five, and their next two games are really tough. Uh, they're facing, they're at home against Pittsburgh, and then they go to Minnesota. Those are two very big games. After that, it gets much easier. The next three weeks after that, they play Baltimore. And then they play Cleveland at home, which is a joke. And then they play St. Louis, um, who, you know, at home though, so that'll be a pretty easy win. But they have these these next two games, and if if, if they don't win both of these, they could uh, they could be out of the playoffs regardless of what happens in December. Yeah. Uh, who, who are you picking this week uh, at home against Pittsburgh? Um, at home against Pittsburgh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, Pittsburgh. I th- I I oh, just wow. Seattle hasn't. If we didn't know who Seattle was, they haven't shown us anything this year at all. You know wh- yeah. what are the what are their two best wins? Oh, I don't know. I mean, they they shut out Chicago without Jay Cutler. Yeah. But that's not very no. Impressive, that's right? nothing. Um. <laughs> so then I don't really know. I mean, what are their impressive wins? They don't have any. Yeah, they beat the Cowboys, but it was without. I mean, Robert. Seattle they could won- definitely still make the playoffs just by virtue. They still have the Baltimore and the Cleveland games left. They have C- St. Louis, who they That's lost it. to. They have them at home, and maybe they gotta go, maybe they could they get- gotta go. They gotta go a minimum of one on one the next two weeks, though. Well, here's the thing: if Arizona's not trying in Week 17, that's a third gimme. Yeah, but again, if they if they so if they split the next two, and then if they win the next four, they're ten and six. They probably make it. But if they lose the next two. Then even if they went out, they'll only be nine and seven, and they'll lose tiebreakers to Minnesota and a whole bunch of other teams. So I then, think Seattle at nine and seven. They haven't played Atlanta, right? Yeah, but they lose a tiebreaker to Minnesota. Yeah, but let's say I think if Seattle gets the nine and seven, nobody's getting past them. So I don't know who wins the the tiebreaker if Atlanta or Tampa of Tampa Bay get to nine and seven. But yeah, I mean, boy, when you look at Seattle's wins, it's really unimpressive. They beat the Bears without Cutler. They beat the Lions thirteen ten because of a bad call. They um they beat San Francisco twice. And they beat Dallas thirteen to twelve without Romo. I mean, they don't have an impressive win on their no. But wow, and I think That's Wilson's really- been really good. I, I think their offensive line. The, the thing, the difference between them last year and then this year, primarily, is that their offensive line is historically bad. So they're five and five with such a bad offensive line. You know, with that that Wilson's running for his life on every single play. And by the way, yeah. I, I want to make this point. I was thinking yesterday. Look at Wilson. When he's under pressure and the throws he makes, and Roethlisberger when he's under pressure and the throws he makes, and then Bridgewater. I was so unimpressed with Teddy Ballgame and 
how he walks into sacks, is very hesitant to throw the ball away, and it was very is cavalier with his body. And I know he has a similar problem to Russell, where this is not the offensive line they thought they'd have, but he needs he needs to realize that he's the franchise at this point, and he needs to throw the ball away. And I mean Fitzpatrick, I don't know how much you saw the Jet game. Fitzpatrick almost like hits guys himself. Like he really asks for contact in every play and he's insane. I don't know if the beard protects him, but he <laughs> that gets t- that hit like, on run. Yeah. I thought he was concussed. It's crazy. He might've been. It's, the thing is I, I said to the guys I was watching with like Fitzpatrick, like he went to Harvard, he might be concussed, but he could still answer the questions because he's smart. <laughs> Whereas like there are probably guys who could never like Tony Romo probably couldn't answer Jeff, the no, question. Jeff George. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff George was the dumbest couldn't, quarterback. You know, couldn't answer the questions when he wasn't concussed. So that's like, it's not fair. It's possible he was. Yeah. <laughs> um I think I think you know I that you know because Bridgewater is so accurate but to me that was the one you know watching a lot of uh his game yesterday really my takeaway was that he's got to stop taking these hits and he's got to throw the ball away much faster. He's, I don't know like the stats on him getting rid of the ball on uh per play basis but it really shows up over the course of a game. Oh, so yeah, he's holding the ball longer than just about any quarterback. Um yeah, L- look, last week's game was the Vikings lost the game on both lines. The offensive line did nothing. Peterson had his worst game since the opener, and Bridgewater was running for his life. Um, they gave up like six sacks. But the problem was on the defensive line that they had no pressure on Rodgers whatsoever. Rodgers wasn't hit. And so this was a team Green Bay hadn't had a sack in four games, and all of a sudden they had six of them. And Rodgers was getting sacked every game multiple times, and the Vikings couldn't touch him. And that was really the difference in that game. Plus, the uh, least penalized team in the league just had, uh, you know, penalty after penalty after penalty, including three on third downs on the game-turning touchdown drive to end the first half. Um, three times the Vikings defense got off the field, and then there was a penalty called and brought them back on, and then the Packers ended up getting that touchdown. Um, so, yeah, it was a... Um, I, I don't blame Bridgewater for that game. It was the offensive line, really, and, and the defensive line both played really badly. But... um you know, remember in the preseason, I predicted the Vikings to start seven and two, and then to lose four in a row. So let's hope I'm wrong. But uh, so far, that's what's happening, and uh, we'll see. That's why this game against Atlanta is a huge game this week. Who do you have winning, Minnesota at Atlanta? Yeah, Minnesota. To me, Atlanta is a paper tiger, and uh, I, I mean Matt Ryan. I, 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 we, I think we said this in, and by we, I'm giving you credit for something I said also in in July or August nice. when we were doing 32 fans. Uh, Ryan, for a good quarterback, makes so many terrible throws. Oh, that, that, that pick six against Indy was a Yeah, exact. and obviously that was like, that's, you know, the first throw on, on the YouTube highlight of Ryan's terrible throws. But yeah. uh, I, I just, I, like, unless the, you know, he, Julio Jones is going to be able to get up there and get like 170 yards of just, you know, by sheer will, I, I do think Minnesota bounces back this week and wins. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the pessimist. I'm going to, again, I was the only one who predicted Minnesota to be, to be an underdog in this game, which they are. You and Sal and Bill all thought the Vikings would be favored. I just can't imagine Atlanta losing again. But then again, I couldn't imagine losing to San Francisco, and they did. I couldn't imagine losing to, to India, and they found a way to do that with Hasselbeck. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick against the Vikings again this week and hope that I'm wrong. Um, but let's, let's keep moving, uh, powering through the, the top 10 of our uh, rankings of the, the uh, most exciting teams remainder of the year. So next on this list, and it's sort of surprising that they're this high, are the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles are 4-6. and six. If they lose the next couple, they won't be on this list for long. But um, this week they play Thanksgiving at Detroit, pretty much a must-win. And then um, the next week they go to New England, which is a good game just because New England's undefeated. But New England's probably going to destroy them, right? Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah. Uh, Sanchez has beaten them before, but I don't think it's happening that time. Yeah, I mean, again, the reason I have Philly so high is I still think that 8-8 eight and eight can win this division. And I think that they'll go into Week 17, 7-8 against the Giants. Who, the who would you rather win. have for one game, Sanchez or Bradford? Oh. They're healthy. 
Because to I me, on a on a most plays, Sanchez. By the way, Sanchez looks like a very good quarterback on like half the plays. But he makes terrible, terrible. That he's so dumb, and he's never he's never improved from the guy who threw twenty interceptions as a rookie. But he really has become a like a much more savvy QB in terms of like he'd never had a great arm uh, and he's never been accurate. You know, he can't throw deep or accurate, but he really like he's able to use his legs, even though he's not so fast. And like he he he'll, you'll turn it on for a random play and like, wow, that was really impressive. Uh, and then he'll just make a mind numbing interception. Uh, I'd rather have Sanchez than Bradford, probably unless I had a great defense and I just needed a guy who didn't turn the ball over. Yeah, I'm really not sure how I feel about that one. Do you think they're going to get Kaepernick or someone next year? Do you think Chip Kelly comes back even next year if they end, end like six and ten? It's very these college coaches uh, never stay in the same place. The, you know the way that they're already talking to Charlie Strong about moving to Miami and Harbaugh is being asked every day if he's going to move, and you know Saban and Meyer, you know they'll end up somewhere else also or they'll retire. I, I so I do think that he'll realize now that there's no job security. So if somebody asks for Chip Kelly, the thing is that I don't know, like is is a uh, there's by the way, I don't know if you know this, you don't really follow college football. There is a there's an obscene amount of good jobs open in college this year because, you know, Frank Beamer retired and and these guys are hurt. And, you know, these guys, uh, I mean, retired because they were not healthy. And uh, there's going to be an LSU looks like it's going to fire less miles, maybe even today. Yeah. And the Missouri job's going to open up also. So I, there's Tinkle's there's going to be like 20. That job is open, yeah. There's going to be like... Yeah, tw- Char- Char- Charlie Strong, by the way. If, if he can fail upwards and get the hell out of Texas, he should. Yeah, he should pull he, he should pull a Jim Mora or a uh, he, he should Lane get out of there Kiffin. as fast as possible because if people still think he's a desirable candidate, you know, I think Teddy Bridgewater was really the, the cause of his previous success, or at least in hindsight, because he's coming to Texas and he's just been terrible. And I understand he's got these young teams and he's... But like... I'm sorry. Texas but I don't know if they have players. Point. I haven't watched any of Texas this year, but I'm not sure they have any talent on the team right now. Well, I mean, whose fault is that? And, but he might no. want to leave also just because the administration stuff was handled so poorly this year. Um, but so there's so many jobs that there's for sure going to be somebody offering Kelly, uh, if not more per year, but you can offer, you know, the NFL can't offer like 10 year contracts, like for some reason, college yeah. coaches. Oh, get and, there. and it's the, and it's the control that he can get on the college. Right. And if you're a good college coach, you're right. You, you know, Chip Kelly's probably not going to get fired because you pretty sure he's going to be good enough you know to stay around for a while uh yep. so i do think he's gone one way or the other m- probably 65 percent chance after this year i if i'm the eagles owner i give him a pass because they don't have a quarterback I, I do think that um the jets i think would if they like kaepernick probably would make a hard run at him also if I'm Cleveland, I don't know if that's the situation I'm bringing Kaepernick into, though. You know? Yeah. Oh, we well, didn't mention Houston for teams that need a quarterback. Obviously, Houston needs a quarterback. Um, they have, you know, they have an owner who has money and uh, I, f- I feel like would be aggressive to go after him. That's not a bad spot for him. You know, he could throw the ball up to Hopkins. I, d- I do think you could mask some of their, their issues there. So I, if I was him... I don't know about Philly. Like, is does Philly really have a good core? Like, if, if like, wouldn't you rather go to a team that has like now a really emerging defensive line and and like a top two or three receiver? Well, but who, who's the coach going to be in, in in Houston? Do you trust Bill O'Brien more than Chip I think Kelly? now I O'Brien is probably going to keep that job if if they win a couple more games. Uh, yeah, I, I, he's an offensive coach, so is he a great coach? No, but he'll you know the the play calling yesterday 
I haven't watched a ton of Texans this year. Play calling against the Jets was sensational. You know, they maybe that was the kitchen sink game where they threw all the trick plays in. Well, they went at Revis over and over again. Yeah, it, it worked. But would you have thought that was a good game plan going into the game? No. But, well, here's the thing: if Cromartie's there, Cromartie's been like the one of the worst uh, cornerbacks in the league. So you don't. There's no reason to go after Revis when you go after Cromartie. And I've talked about Marcus Williams a bunch of times on the podcast. But Marcus Williams came in and he was he was beaten by a touchdown where Hopkins threw him and then caught the ball. Um, but he had, you know, pro football focus, I think had him as the second best cornerback in the league, uh, yesterday. So they, they have cornerbacks coming out of their ears. Unfortunately, it's not the guys who they're paying like $50 million a year. to. Yep. All right. So let's, uh, we still have the top 10 to get to in terms of the most exciting teams down the stretch. The next one is Washington. You know, the last two of the last three weeks, they've played the undefeated teams and got blown out uh, on the road in the middle of that. They played New Orleans at home and blew them out. Um, the reason they're here very simply is because every team they're playing down the stretch has about a 500 record, just like them. Giants, Cowboys, Bears, Bills, Eagles, Cowboys. So each of those games is, is a toss-up, and each of those games is a game where both teams could be in the playoff race. But uh, a lot will sort itself up over the next couple of weeks, and Washington will either be um, way down this list or way up this list, I think, based on what they do the next couple of weeks. Um, not much more to say there. Let's get a, let's get. Now we're in the top. I mean, there's no, and there's no chance we see Griffin, right? If they're bad or anything like that. No, no, no. Co- no. Cousins has. I don't know if Cousins is a long term answer, but this year is unquestionably. The <laughs> Griffin answer. should. Griffin should pull the Kaepernick and get that fake surgery. Uh, but, uh, by the way, well, Kaepernick well, really had to have surgery because he threw away millions of dollars after the surgery. Pull, pull the Peyton Manning, and yeah, because his contract isn't guaranteed for injury. Yeah. So. Um, all right. And now we're in the top 10 and we start with a tie between uh, two very different teams. Uh, one of them is the Packers. Um, you know, the Packers, R-E-L-A-X, they're back to who we thought they were and their schedule really eases up. Um, they still have to face Arizona in week 16, but the next few weeks I think are going to be much easier for them. They're playing the Bears. They're playing the Lions. Um, they're playing at home against Dallas, who's improved, but you know, and then they're playing Oakland. So I think the Packers are going to cruise to the, uh, to uh, the two or the three seed in the NFC. Um, and then we have Indy. And I like Indy, how we overreact. They, like, we were, like, burying the Packers' whole franchise last week, and now they're winning the Super Bowl again because they beat the Vikings. Yeah. To be fair, I've picked the Packers to win every single one of their games this year, except Denver. But I picked them to be, win Carolina, and I picked them to beat the Vikings. Um, part of that was pessimism as a Vikings fan. But, um, you know, they just – as I, I, again, they looked really impressive. Eddie Lacy was back to his old self. The defense was getting pressure on the quarterback for the first time, although that's probably more acid with how bad the Vikings' uh, offensive line is. Um, next, we have the Colts. We've already discussed that win at Atlanta. Um, that was a big win. Um, they're in the driver's seat for this division, but because it's so close, um, all these games are going to be interesting down the stretch. They're playing at Pittsburgh on a Sunday nighter in week 13, which is a great game. And then, um, and then they're hosting Houston, as we said, in week 15. And that game could be flexed to Sunday night because that game will probably be for the division. Um, but we've already talked about it. And at what point so, is Luck coming back? Well, that's another question. We don't know. Um, he'll probably come back. I would guess he might come. If he comes back for that game week 15, that's even more reason to put it on Sunday sure. night football. Sure. And, and he, they're 3-0 without him. Uh, and Matt Hasselbeck yeah, but, at this point is those like are, looking those like those are three <laughs> games that they've won. They've won each one of those by just a couple of points. Yeah. And you know, they're like the Cowboys balls. without Romo with a tiny bit better quarterback and a tiny bit better luck. Also, yeah, um, no pun no pun intended. Intended. Mm, yeah, Jinx. All right, okay. Now we have, now we have the Cardinals, and the reason the Cardinals are this low is because this week they have San Francisco, which is a gimme, and next week they have St. Louis, who already beat them once this year, but um, you know, is at least is not a very interesting game. After that. December, just a uh, murderer's row for Arizona. And th- again, they're probably the best team in the NFC, or at least they're in the top two with Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're facing the Vikings on a Thursday nighter. Uh, th- then they go at Philadelphia, which, um, you know, 
Philadelphia is a team that put points on the board. Then they have that huge game against Green Bay in Week 16, which we talked about. And then they face Seattle in Week 17. So Arizona with a really, really, really interesting schedule down the stretch. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot of them in December as they uh, make a drive towards that two-seat or possibly the one-seat if Carolina falters once or twice. Yeah, I mean, for some reason, they don't do it for me. I was actually kind of bored watching the uh, Arizona-Cincy game. Oh, that was such a good game. I know, but just, to me, it's just there's no gravitas to the team's I don't know why. Um, you know, I love Arizona's coach, but to me, Carson Palmer, you know, doesn't really. Well, I love me. the I love the fact that he continues to throw Mike Brown under the bus. You know, Mike Brown gives some diplomatic answers about how he and uh, Carson Palmer just saw things differently, and then they bring Carson Palmer on for an interview, and Carson Palmer is just like trashing Mike Brown. He's like, he's stubborn. He didn't listen to me. I like it was time for me to go. I mean, Palmer forgets uh, how bad he was. Like the last year or two of Cincy. I mean, he really I wasn't good after. After um, what's his name on Pittsburgh fell on his leg, Kimo Kimo Olaf. After Van Olaf fell on his leg, he was basically bad for six years in a row. Yeah, he was bad in Oakland. He came to Denver, and I said six. It might have even been like seven or eight. Like it was an insane amount of time where he was like progressively getting worse. And he and he, uh, I believe in that span, never won a playoff game till last year, right? Yeah, if you if you remember, I made a comparison. Yeah, that's correct. I made a comparison. Well, he never has won a playoff game. Oh, right, they didn't win last year. Yeah, and he wasn't playing anyways. That's right. But um, I made a comparison between him and Kurt Warner because Kurt Warner also, you know, he was Kurt Warner was better in St. Louis than Palmer ever was in Cincinnati. But then he lost the job to Bulger, and then he went to New York where you know he lost the job to Eli. He came to Arizona as a backup to a uh, Lineart, and all of a sudden merged out of nowhere in Arizona. Everybody's like, "Oh, he's great." Right. Well, like, that's why you take a, a a real gamble on a guy like Kaepernick because we have seen quarterbacks. You you almost never see a running back go from good to bad. To good again, it has happened once although or twice. Chris Johnson's doing yeah, it this Chris year Johnson is doing it. Uh, although I, I I suspect that anybody could run for five. You know, Ellington looks like Walter Payton when they put him in. Yeah. All right. Um, next on our list is Denver. Uh, we were quick to bury Denver after they got killed by Kansas City, but uh, they got back on with a win this week. They have the massive well, game. Well, but we knew that Manning game. was losing them the game, so I, you know that's not fair. Like they got rid of Manning. Yeah. Well, the thing is, so they announced that Osweiler's playing this week against the Patriots, but then they said that Manning will still have the job once he's healthy. Um, yeah, but we don't know yeah. if Manning's going to be healthy. I, if I had to guess, I don't think Manning plays again this season. Do you think he ever plays again? Uh, he wants to. They're saying that he wants to. I mean, where's he going? Like, yeah. where's he going to go, though? Uh, of course, that would be know. such a Jets move to get Manning next season, right? Wouldn't that be the Jets' yeah. move? That would be like, well, I said the, the no, the Vikings are the team that always brings in the aged quarterback. Well, so the Jets get Manning, and then he's bad, and then he goes to Minnesota and is good for two years. Well, but, but, yeah, <laughs> then but now he takes some pictures so. and it get whatever. Yeah. Um, all right. So then we have. Um, Boy, Denver, Denver, you know, it's not just a New England game. They're also playing, as we said, they're playing Cincinnati in Week 16, which could be a battle for the two seed. And then they're facing Pittsburgh in Week 15, which could, um, you know, so they, they really have a lot of really good games on their schedule. So if it's Brock, he will have a chance to prove himself. And that's why Denver's, uh, you know, near the top of this list. Uh, next on this list is Atlanta. We've said Atlanta's a really crappy team, but they, they, they're playing good games pretty much every week. This week, as we said, they're playing the Vikings in a game which is a must-win. Both teams are, those are the two wildcard teams right now. So they're, they're gonna, that's a... Uh, the loser of that game is is going to be in trouble in terms of making the playoffs. Um, then they go to Tampa Bay, which is all of a sudden a team that's you know in the race for the wild card as well. Then they go to Carolina, their um, division mate. Um, Atlanta schedules just you know. Then they go to Jacksonville, who again you know m- m- might be decent. Um, and then they play Carolina again, and then they finish out against their uh, their hated rivals, the Saints. So the Atlanta, they've been really bad. They've lost three in a row, but they have a, a very good schedule down the stretch. 
Yeah, I mean, to me, they're, Ryan and, and Jones can like keep them in any game. So they are actually a pretty good TV team. It's sad that Mike Smith's not not there anymore because they have a competent coach. Um, well, are we calling him competent after what he did against San Francisco? Yeah, uh, he may be. Uh, yeah, listen, nobody. Uh, there's two coaches in the league that know what they're doing on on most of these strategy calls, anyway. So what am I going to do? Um, yeah. what you did you read Peter King's um, uh, like Carson Palmer thing? By the way, no. Tell us about it. Oh, I was just curious if you read it. Like he he got a ton of access to Carson Palmer. Went over the I like there were some things that were interesting. You know, Palmer gets to pick the first fifteen pass plays himself. You know, they 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 plan 175 plays for the game. There were some like cool little tidbits in there. Uh you know, he is uh he's not the best writer in the world, I'll 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 say uh, delicately. Peter King. <laughs> he, well, here's the thing in general. It's not a Peter King issue, also. It's like if Adam Schefter was writing you know, 10,000 word. And I know he was like a writer. He didn't just pop up and get on television the first time. Like it, he wouldn't necessarily be the world's greatest writer. There's a difference between writers and reporters, right? So Peter yeah. King is good at getting information because he is a very likable guy and people trust him with information. <laughs> Can't distill it out of the page. But he, I mean, he wrote like some of the worst sentences I've ever seen today um, in Monday Morning Quarterback. And he wrote, I think he wrote like heck of a three times in one sentence, in one paragraph. Like heck of a thing by this, and it was a heck of a this and a heck of a that. Um, and his and his adjectives are always cringeworthy also. And he's, oh, whatever. So he's a little older and old-fashioned. But um, anyway. Was, well, I'm, I, but I'm, I'm sure you read the uh, KSK takedowns of Peter King. Right? I used to. I, 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 I didn't even know they were still doing them. So to be honest, I think they stopped doing it this year, although – you know, Kissy Susie Colbert died basically last year, mm-hmm. um, so I guess they definitely did stop. I mean, I read um, uh, the, I read uh, pro, uh, PFT commenters uh, stuff. Yeah, that's not to, to, to be honest. Um, my only interaction with Peter King's column the last few years was reading Kissing Susie Colbert every week. But it, I would read Peter King's column because of that, and I would just read um, them take apart his uh, his terrible syntax and his poor writing, um, and his you know and his random asides about coffee and beer. Um, and, and, you know, his uh, very, very soft-hearted limousine liberalism. Um, all right, but let's get to the top five. These are the five teams who have the most exciting schedules down the stretch. Number five is the Pats, as they go on their drive to finish 16-0 once again. The only reason they're this low is because they have a couple of gimmies. You know, they're facing Tennessee at home in Week 15. Um, you know, nobody's really going to be interested in that game. But uh, most of their other games are pretty good. This week, obviously, as we said, they're facing Denver. Um, they're facing Philly next week. That's not so great. But then they're facing Houston. And the Houston's their defense all of a sudden looking really good. Maybe JJ Watt can get to Tom Brady. That might be a threat to a New England's undefeated season. And then, and then, as we said, they still have to play your Jets, and then they still have to play the Dolphins. So there's, you know, their schedule's not that hard. But there's a couple of chances here. I think probably the best chances are Denver and Houston. And frankly, I think the Pats are going to go undefeated. What about you? Uh, so let's take it week by week quickly. Uh, I think they win in Denver. They beat the Eagles. They win. Uh, I'm going to say they lose in Houston. I say they go, fifth, you know, they they lose in Houston and then wow. then they beat the Titans, Jets, and who cares what they do in Week 17? Yeah, well, at that point they'll probably rest guys. Right. All right. Um, uh, next up, next. So if you're a Jets fan, four. you're rooting them for them to lose a game, right? Oh, for sure. Because yeah, because yeah, if they're locked into the one seed, then maybe they don't care about Week 16 and the Jets can sneak a win. Uh, well, that's what I was hoping for with the Vikings, with the Packers, but earlier in the year. But I don't know if that's going to happen. All right, number four on the list is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the Steelers, you know, they, they can't really catch Cincinnati, and they're in the driver's seat for the wild card. 
But they just, I mean, the next four weeks, they just have a fantastic schedule. This week, as we said, they're going to Seattle, which is a fantastic game, I think. Uh, next week, they're playing Sunday night against Indy. And um, if luck comes back, obviously, that's even a better game. But either way, that's between two teams fighting for the playoffs. The next week, they face Cincinnati Bengals. They're a big rival. Um, if Cincinnati wins that, they clinch the division. Um, but either way, that'll be a good game. And then the next week, they face Denver at home. And again, it's probably not for anything more than seeding, but it's two of the you know playoff teams in the AFC battling each other. So, uh, And then the last couple weeks gets a lot easier. They face Baltimore, who's their rival, but their season's over, and then they face Cleveland. But the next four weeks, Pittsburgh has as good a schedule as anyone in the league. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to see with Pittsburgh. I also don't have a lot of faith in them staying healthy. But right now, with Roethlisberger and with Antonio Brown, they... I mean, let me ask you a question. Can this team win the Super Bowl? Pittsburgh? Yeah. Well, they're kind of like the Giants in the sense yeah. that from whatever seed they are, they could. We sure, see that's them what I'm four. saying. I think right now, with Roethlisberger, Brown, if the offensive line, which has you know, become a, a strength instead of a weakness, and they don't have a lot more injuries on the defensive side... I, they, I'm not saying that they will, but at a certain point, New England's going to lose too many guys, possibly, even if Brady's there. Like, if New England loses Gronk, they're done, right? I, I'm not saying that they'll automatically, like, lose their first playoff game because there's nobody else coming to get them. But to me, that they're not special anymore without him or, or obviously yeah. without Brady. Um, yeah. So, and they've lost so many guys. Like, even at a certain point, like, after, you know, when Edelman goes, like, if Edelman takes a playoff, like, Amendola comes in, but now you have LaFell and Amendola, and after that, it's pretty. The cupboard's pretty thin. Uh, and Deion Lewis, I think people underestimate how great he was. So, yeah. So I, I, I mean, I think that was a bigger loss than Edelman because they have Amendola to fill in. Sure, Edelman. right. They don't. There's nobody who could really do. I mean, Pro Football Focus, I think, had Lewis like breaking more tackles per game or something than anybody in the history of the league. So yeah. Um, I, I do. So I don't know. Pittsburgh's basic. My my thesis for Pittsburgh is that they can still win the Super Bowl. Yeah. All right. Number three on our list, the team that can win the Super Bowl. Undefeated Carolina. Uh, first of all, Carolina at Dallas on uh, Thanksgiving. Who do you have winning that game? Because I have Dallas. Uh, I, I didn't see. I, I would have thought that I would say the Cowboys, but I didn't see enough out of Romo. And I, I do think that this is the was his first game. back. Yeah. But here's the problem. Like He's still at such a risk to rebreak this collarbone for the next couple of weeks, they say. Uh, and I just think that this is the wrong team to play because he's going to get hit. I'm, so you have Carolina win. Yeah, Carolina is going to win. I mean, okay. it's a ten and zero pl- team playing a three and seven team. Although I guess the three and seven record is pretty meaningless. You know, Romo's three and zero. Yeah, well, because what I was going to say is I have Carolina third on this list, and I have them losing this week to Dallas. If they win against Dallas, they could move up to number one or number two because then they're in the, in conversation for an undefeated season. Right. I mean, they um, could. Yeah. I mean, if they're beating Dallas, they're also going the next week and de- demolishing the Saints probably. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think that could be a close game just because we know Saints could put points on the board, and we've seen the well, What about this? How about, this how about if they win those games and they beat Atlanta? How about the Giants, Giants as the Giant Killers again? Yeah, I have that right now as the second biggest game of the Week 15, and if Carolina's undefeated, it moves up into the one spot. Oh, that's the game of the year, basically, to, up to that point, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and, and they have to face Atlanta Giants, The Giants are also in an interesting spot where there's almost no chance their games won't matter in Week 15. Because yeah, no matter what, unless yeah. Washington and Philly like maybe both win both, then they're sort of like on the outside looking in. But the the Cowboys can't can't get more than no, they can't catch them at that point. Um, yeah, I don't know. That could yeah. be a good game. I mean, this this Panthers team is really crazy to me. You know, the last time they lost in the regular season was last year when the Vikings destroyed them thirty one to thirteen. Oh, I was what I, was, you hadn't mentioned the Vikings in like thirty seconds. I was I was getting yeah. nervous. <laughs> well, no, but the, you know the Vikings destroyed them thirty one thirteen in that game. And um and they dropped a three eight and one 
their season was over. And since then, they haven't lost the game. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they crazy. won four. And, um, so, you know, I, I had them losing to Dallas this week. But um, if they win, then they're probably going to be the most exciting. I mean, how about just, in, a, in a league where everyone's completing like 67% of their passes? Newton, they're talking about him as for MVP at 56%. Yeah, but that's unfair. First of all, he has the worst receivers. Yeah. A, a ton of his value was from his legs. Um, Bill Barnwell wrote an article about it this week. Um, showing how if you include with his legs, Cam's a much more, you know, he's closer to Brady. He, Bill Barnwell still says Brady is clearly the MVP, and I obviously agree, but Cam gets closer. Um, I don't you know, think anybody's an close. I don't think anybody's close. Yeah, you know, Cam has finally, after that huge five-touchdown game this week, he's climbed into my top 10 on Chester quarterback rating on the season, and um, he's going to continue to climb up there. Um, if he, You know, the last three weeks, he's been the best quarterback in the league, not just, you know, a great runner as well. So his MVP case has started to get a little more a little more legitimate, in my opinion. It's funny, though, that we have Carolina as the third most exciting team down the stretch because you say Carolina is the most boring team to watch. They're not the most boring team, but to me, you know, I'm going to turn on a lot of games before I turn on the Panthers. Partially because they really don't, you know, who's doing it for you? Ted Ginn, Jonathan Stewart, like offensively is not so exciting. And to me, defense is only exciting like if it's an absolute dominant defense that's getting to the quarterback every play. All right. Uh, In the number two spot, the New York Giants, Uh, you know, the Giants, as we said about, you know, like the Reds, the Washington, for example, they just every game they have is against a team who's who's in the the Giants basically for, you know, the entire Eli Manning Coughlin era seem to play other than maybe Dallas, like just an inordinate amount of um, exciting games, like other than the Philly game this year, like they've played a lot of uh, really interesting games. And, you know, it, it, you look right. The rest of their schedule is teams that are similar to them. The Redskins, the Jets, the, you know, the Dolphins, teams that are good enough to compete with them, but not necessarily to blow them out. Uh, and they can yeah, play with I, anybody I, I think, because, yeah, I think they will be favorites probably in, in the next three. Um, but yeah, but Washington Jets and Dolphins, those could go either way. And then obviously they have around Christmas, they have the, the, the two toughest games, which is Carolina, and then they go at Minnesota. And then they finish at home against the how Eagles. About, and how I about also, the top corner in the league, Josh Norman going up against Odell Beckham in that game also, the Giants Panthers game? Yeah, that, well, we're going to see him against Dez uh, on Thanksgiving. That'll be exciting also. Yeah, but I saw that Norman's been the best cornerback in football this year. Um, but again, I have right now the Eagles and Giants playing a play in in week 17, which means that may get game I could flex. Well, that would automatically. If that's a play in, then nothing beats that. Unless, yeah. unless there's a real 15 well, 0 interesting thing going on. Yeah, but yeah, but even so, New England at Miami, and we've seen New England go undefeated before in the regular season. Right, I so agree. I, even, I agree. I, if it had I never think, happened. Philly, by the way, this was my argument. I don't know if I made it to you or on the podcast. But why we shouldn't root for records to be broken because then we don't have them anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've, because you've it would before. if New England had had lost that Giants game, let's say the regular season one, and they went fifteen one, we'd be really excited that there's two undefeated teams this late in the season. But nobody cares. Literally, no one cares. Yeah, I mean, everybody's talking about it, but it's not as exciting. No, nobody. It, 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 it won't really matter until the Super Bowl. I mean, oh, if I, both the one thing Bowl, that, that we nuts. kind of should root for it is because. Normally, you don't want the record to fall because you like the person who has the record or you're indifferent. You know, you're like, hey, it was cool that Babe Ruth or Hank Aaron had that record. But w- nobody wants the 72 Dolphins to have the record anymore. Oh, everybody hates it. I mean, Mercury, it will be, Mercury Merce will be, was a backup running back and we only know his name because of his champagne. It will be insufferable yeah. for a few more days because then you'll have like all the things and they'll, you know, uh, there'll be a lot of articles about them and hopefully they'll all go after that. All right. Okay, I mean, so now die. let's get. To- no, I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> All right, let's get to the number one team on my list. And I was doing this objectively. Um, you were the one who brought up the fact that the Vikings were like this. Right now, the Vikings, according to... Totally subjective, been, that the Vikings yeah. are number one. Well, but again, it's because you look at their schedule, and it's just they don't have any any easy matchups left, unfortunately. Well, first of all, I disagree. Like, this week you have it as the second best game after New England Denver. You have Minnesota Atlanta. But to me, Carolina Dallas is definitely a more interesting game. Well, I have that, I have that one slot below. Okay. So that's one To slot me, Buffalo at Kansas City is probably a more interesting game. And Pittsburgh at Seattle, are you crazy, is a much more interesting game than Minnesota Atlanta. Well, but, but I'll tell you why it's not, because Pittsburgh is pretty much locked into a wild you, card. You're not factoring the fact that the Vikings are not a very exciting team to watch. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not talking. Their quarterback not, throws for 170 yards every week. Okay, but I'm taking into account, I'm talking about the, the effect on the playoff race, right? These two teams right now, the Vikings and Atlanta, are, are, are the five and six team in the NFC. So you're just doing it by relevance and there was no, like, so why have I been the whole time? We just have to redo the whole podcast now. Well, <laughs> well no, it's mostly by relevance. Obviously, I give slight boosts to things like, you know, an undefeated team and, and, and things like that. I gave a slight boost to Pittsburgh at Baltimore because I said they're a rival. But, and that's another thing. AFC, NFC games are, are rarely interesting. Nobody really cares. It's not like the Steelers and the Seahawks. Yeah, but if both teams need to win, then they need to win. And those are more interesting teams. Yeah. Then well, you have you have Minnesota, a team that's that's baked, you know was a mini dynasty that was one play away from being a dynasty, um, you know playing a, a you know a team that's you know won the most Super Bowls that that uh, you know we have two guys who you know we have basically it's two QBs that were one play away from well two one QB has two Super Bowls and one is that's uh, a, a play away from having a second Super Bowl, um, you know in the best uh, environment in football. Both teams definitely yeah, needing to win. To, to, Interesting to coaches. Be, and what do you have? I, you have, I you have Leslie Frazier and Dan Quinn. But, you know, Leslie Frazier. In a, in a checkers match. <laughs> it's Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer, sorry, uh, and Dan Quinn. Yeah. Well, no, so, oh, I'm so sorry. Mike, Mike Zimmer is so much more interesting than Leslie Frazier. Well, he's much better. Is Leslie Frazier, uh, like, does he have a job in the NFL right now? I think He's probably like the Bears good. defensive um, line coach. Um, so the other way I do this, actually, the, the way I've done it in past years is I just ranked it. I gave each game one through five stars. For the purpose of this but chart, he's the uh, Bucks it, defensive coordinator. Uh, okay, good. Oh, that's pretty close. Um, yeah, for the purpose of making this chart, um, you know, one to sixteen, I did it one to sixteen. But I, I think that those games, all five of those games you mentioned, those are all five star games. There's five five star games this week, and whether you think one game is slightly more interesting than the other, I, I, I'm not going to nitpick with you. But the problem with the Vikings is that each of the next three weeks they have a five star game. Then against Chicago, it's it's four or three stars at the lowest. And then they have two more five-star games to end the year in New York and Green Bay. So five of their six remaining games are five-star games. None of those games are gimmies in either direction. And so, you know, again, they, they have a really tough schedule here. Next week, they face Seattle. A- again, that'll be a must-win game because those two teams will be fighting. The, the three teams leading for the walk right now are Minnesota, Atlanta, and Seattle. And Minnesota plays both of them the next two weeks. And then they face Arizona and Green Bay, the second and third best teams in the conference. And then they also place the, play, face the Giants, who are le- leaders of their division. So... It's a, it's a tough schedule. The, the only game I didn't mention is they play the Bears. Um, but again, the way I have it, the Bears could be going into that game on a two-game winning streak and just a game and a half out of the playoffs themselves. So um, we'll see what happens on the stretch. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope the Vikings uh, win a couple of these, and then the other ones get a little bit less relevant. But uh, I'm afraid the Vikings could be uh, on the way down as the season continues, and they might have to scratch into the playoffs at like 9-7 and seven or 10-6. and six. All right, listen. You'd sign, I, would you sign for just making the playoffs as a six seed right now? Oh, Absolutely. Well, the problem with the six seed is you have to go to Green Bay, probably. Uh, I'd rather be the five seed because I, I think the Vikings can beat the Giants much more easily than they can beat the Packers. I'm just afraid of Aaron Rodgers. But let's just tear through. There's a couple games this week. I don't remember who we picked as winners and losers. So Philly at Detroit in the early Thanksgiving game. I'm picking Detroit to win yeah, again. Yeah, Detroit. Okay, wow. Oakland at Tennessee. Um, 
I'm going to pick Tennessee, actually. Yeah, I'm going to pick Oakland. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm done with Oakland. They've lost two in a row. I'm unimpressed. Um, the Giants at Washington. I'm going to pick Washington. No, I'm Giants, on record for saying that. Yeah. Um, and then New Orleans at Houston. I think we're both picking Yeah, Houston, no question, right? Houston. Yeah. Oh, wow, no question. Uh, it, I mean, it's just it'll be a great game because it's a great offense against a great defense. So I think it'll be an interesting game. Uh, San Diego, Jacksonville, neither one of us care, but we're probably picking the, home the, uh, yeah. the Jaguars. Yeah. Uh, Miami at the Jets. I'm picking the Jets. No, Miami, the Jets, I think, are the Wow. He's off his team totally. Um, yeah. And then New England at Denver, both picking New England, right? Yeah. Although, I mean, I, I obviously hope. No, it'll be a close game. I think New England wins that by like a Guskowski field goal or something. Oh, wow. By the way, Guskowski, he's just the best kicker in the league. And, and although, also, Green Bay, I mean, last, yesterday, the Packers hit five field goals all over 40 yards. Meanwhile, Blair Walsh was missing extra points for the Vikings. It's so unfair when these teams with the best quarterbacks and the best teams also have the best yeah, kickers. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like the teams with the good quarterbacks almost always have the good kickers. And, but, I mean, it's such, it's such an added value to have. I mean, Guskowski is basically automatic. And that's how I feel with Crosby and the Packers as well. All right. And then this Monday nighter, as we said, worst game of the year, Baltimore at Cleveland. I guess I'll pick Cleveland because I don't know who's, you know, getting dressed for Baltimore. Yeah, I, I still say, uh, I mean, how I, I, if I was betting on this game, I'd do a deep dive and in, dive into how Schaub has looked, you know, really like the last few times uh, played, which would be ugly. Uh, if you're an hour and 20 minutes into this podcast, you'd rather it end than hear a two minute analysis. of Matt No, Schaub. if you're an hour and 20 minutes in, you probably want more because you're sad. <laughs> yeah, well, I got well, that's a valid point, actually. Um, I'm going to say. Uh, Baltimore wins. All right. Drama. Okay, so we uh, actually disagree on a host of games this week. Uh, last week, by the way, last week is still up in the air. I went 9-4, and four, you went 8-5. and five. But I have New England winning tonight. You have Buffalo. So if Buffalo wins, you tie me for the week. And um, the other standings, just to let people know, this week against the spread, I beat you 14-6. to six. And the reason that number is so high is because we had a bunch of ties. We tied on like six games, uh, which which is uh, account for, for a win both ways, the way that Sal does as well. Mm-hmm. We have eight games in which we disagree next week, which is the most we've had yet this year. So it's, uh, it's a very interesting week 12. Enjoy Thanksgiving, everyone, and uh, enjoy the games. Anyways, Akiva, talk to you next week. Whatever. <laughs> Bye-bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.